How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plog Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, hopefully this is the time that we actually get this episode off the ground, because this is, what, our third time, third attempt trying to get this episode off the ground today? Yeah, we've had two computer reboots, a few desyncs, and hopefully it works this time. <laughs> it does, man. I really, really hope it does because I, I'm already fed up enough with this with this computer in front of me, but you know, hopefully, third time's a charm, right? Hopefully, we'll get this episode off the ground today, and we'll get a great episode ahead of this for this week. Yeah, no kidding. So, Tim, speaking about this week's episode, we got a great cover athlete to talk about because today's episode is season five, episode seven in chronological order, episode 102, the Artem Zub edition of the third line plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Artem Zub. He was signed as a free agent by the Ottawa Senators in 2020, following six seasons in the KHL. He spent the entire 2021 season with the Senators, recording three goals, 11 assists for 14 points in 47 games before signing a two-year $5 million extension in May of 2021. As of this recording, he has recorded one goal, six assists for seven points in 19 games this season. So you know how in last week's episode, Tim, when we're talking about Ray Emery, we had quite a bit to talk about when it came to Razor and his tenure with the Senators. Artem Zub's short tenures in Ottawa Center can be summed up in one moment, the breakaway goal versus the Leafs. And it's such a funny goal too because you've got this guy who can be best compared to prime age nicholas jarmelson getting going on this fantastic breakaway and scoring and i remember up until that point the media and dj smith had kind of alluded that zub was really good in the shootout and people were like let's see zub do it zub in the shootout zub in the shootout and then we just get a live breakaway that he absolutely beautifully buries yeah it was so nice. And the nice thing about that goal is that as much as the goal was great, the picture that got taken of that goal, you want to talk about a picture and somebody on Twitter said this back, I think last year or whenever the picture was taken earlier last season was that it looks like a picture right out of like, if you watched any of the old NHL games from like the fifties and sixties, it just looked like that. The lighting was so perfect. The shadows and the crowd was dark. It looked great. Yeah. Is that going to be the cover photo of this episode? Of course. Come on. Beauty. Oh, you didn't think I was going to have an Arts and Zub episode of Third Line Plug and not use that, did you? <laughs> Maybe I didn't have enough faith. Well, I can't believe after five seasons, Tim, you still don't have faith, my brother. We try. So given that we just talked about our cover athlete for this week, we need to plug our cover athlete poll for next week because next week's episode is season five, episode eight in chronological order, episode 103. Now, in the history of the Ottawa Senators, there's been quite a few players that's won the number three, but I think there's only two names that's worthy of the poll, Sidaniel Chara and Mark Mathot. Yeah, and those are two pretty important players in the history of the Ottawa Senators, so... I'm glad that we're not putting them on the same call as Josh Brown. Yeah, I know. I saw that and I was like, no. Ain't happening. It's not happening today. So, Tim, now that we got that out of the way, I got to ask the question. Our listeners love hearing me ask you every single week, 
how has your week been going? Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing feedback on your end. It's just the truck. You should be fine. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah, so we did a lot last week. Uh, went out with my buddies uh, on Saturday after the Sens game. Just went down to Greta Bar downtown Calgary. Uh, it's an arcade bar, so we ended up playing uh, uh, Golden Tee Golf, Rampage, Bubble Bobble, that sort of stuff. It was pretty fun. And then I also got a new toy here. We got a new microphone stand. I got the full on arm and a shock mount for my blues, blue snowball. So sorry, blue Yeti. And hopefully uh, that ends the sound of Tim typing when he's forgotten a player. Yeah. And me knocking around the desk. (laughs) Honestly. And it's funny because you told me earlier that you had picked it up and I hadn't even seen it yet. So when we called for the first time today, not the second <laughs> or third. I, that's the first thing I noticed. And it looks good. You know, you look like a professional podcaster. Now, of course, I don't have a blue Yeti with the arm yet. I only have my blue snowball mic in front of me. But you know what? You know, there's still time, right? I might upgrade the microphone. You don't know. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Now, you did pick this up on Black Friday sale, correct? Yep. Excellent. How much did that put you back? I want to say all set about 200 bucks. That's pretty good. That's yeah, I went with the road arm instead of the arm that was made by Blue because the reviews were saying that the Blue arm, surprisingly, wasn't great at holding the weight of the Blue Yeti, which is their most popular microphone. While the road one is for slightly heavier microphones, but uh, the Yeti is heavy enough with the shock mount to hold it down. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I know I, even I've, I myself have thought of looking into one of those too. My- for the show so because yeah i am notoriously bad for hitting the desk hitting the mic hitting something when we record so or something falling or my phone going off but no i have to look into that in the future now speaking of black friday tim and i think i've mentioned this on the podcast is that i was looking into the game far cry 6 right so my boss actually texted me i can't think it was like on last wednesday or last friday the game was on sale on Amazon. So Black Friday sale was like 40 bucks. Nice. I didn't want to pay the full price because the last time I, I played Far Cry, what did I play? Five, which I will say on the record, Far Cry 5 has a, is a really cool idea. I just don't think the game is great. That's kind of what I've heard. And a lot of people say that like there was a story there, but the writers weren't competent enough to tell it and they ended up making uh, the bad guys more sympathetic than you is what I've heard. And as far as gameplay goes, it wasn't that much of a improvement on far cry four. It really wasn't. I mean, the only thing that was really different between four and five was just the setting in which it was in. Cause I think four was in the Amazon or somewhere off top of my head. I can't, I spent a while since I played Far Cry 4. Whereas 5 was in the heartland of America, which could be a really cool idea. You know, you have a lot of gun toting, crazy Bible belt people. That seems like an interesting idea for a video game that really hasn't been explored a ton. And it's funny because the last couple of Uncharted, Uncharted games, sorry, Far Cry games, they've tackled periods that you would think would be a cool idea, but the execution was not great, whether it be primal five but again i didn't read anything about six i know that there's a wiener dog in it <laughs> nice little, little wheels for legs and i'm like i want it 
Yeah. And what's interesting is that what you said about Far Cry is basically true about pretty much all of the Ubisoft sandboxes that they're all kind of washed out. Like Assassin's Creed sucks. Like the last few have been just bad. The past few Far Cries have been disappointing. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you basically, actually none of the Watchdog games were all that good. I guess that's what happens when you just make the same game 10 times in five years. You run out of room to work with. Pretty much. I mean, and it's funny that you mentioned Watch Dogs because, yeah, I played the first Watch Dogs and, yeah, I didn't think it was amazing. There was, like, oh, my God, this game's so fantastic. And I played I was like, it's okay. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it was an overly terrible game, but it was just kind of okay. It's just, it's one of those games that you play, it doesn't really leave much of an impact for me. Yeah, and what's funny is over the last five years or so, I can't think of a game from a major publisher outside of Nintendo that's really left an impact. Like, and even then, the Nintendo games, the only ones I can really think of are Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Yeah, because, well, Nintendo, keep in mind, Nintendo really is the console that you generally play, isn't it? It is, but I also do play like a 360 PlayStation, those sort of things in PC games. So like, yeah, I played around with uh, Far Cry 3 back in the day. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but it's just like Far Cry 4. It didn't look that. F- oh, Just Cause 2 was a ton of fun. I've heard that game was really fun. Just Far Cause Cry 3 4, was boring. Like, yeah, Far Cry 4. I actually liked Far Cry 4 personally because, again, I didn't really play the first three. So jumping into four was like, oh, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the last game that really left an impression over the last five years was the last uncharted uncharted four that's a game and i think because it's a game that really i played the first three you grew an attachment to the characters you you know when you go and you play the first three games you're like oh wow this is fantastic the characters are really likable the settings are cool you go into four and then by the end spoiler alert they actually found the treasure and you're like oh that's really cool they actually finally got to ride off into the sunset after they found it nice you know, I never really got all of the high praise for The Last of Us. The story just seems kind of meh. Again, that's another game that I never got into. And I think it's because... Because when did that game come out? 2017? No, I remember... If I remember correctly, one of my buddies at the Bank of Canada was talking about it. So it would have been 2015. 2015? Yeah, because that's a game. Because that was a period of time. Because like The Walking Dead was super popular at the time. And... It's a TV show I never, ever got into because I'm not a zombie guy, but also because I didn't really care for the characters. Like, if any of the characters in The Walking Dead had died, I wouldn't have cared. It's yeah. like, okay, whatever. The Last of Us was just kind of that setting of zombies and very kind of like Uncharted, and I'm just like, eh, pass. And I, I found the gameplay was worse Uncharted. So it's just... I think that, yeah, The Last of Us was severely under, sorry, severely overrated. Yeah, well, I've heard The Last of Us 2 was kind of the same way. It was just like a lot of people walked away disappointed. Yeah, I heard that the story, uh, the only thing people really liked about the first game was not palatable to most people. I haven't played it because I didn't care for the first one, so I'm not going to care for the second one, right? Exactly. It's kind of like movies, right? If you don't care about one, you're not really going to want to watch the others. Yeah. As great. 
as great of a movie as Empire is, if you didn't like the first Star Wars, you're not going to like Empire. It's true. No, actually, the reason why I brought up Far Cry 6, other because it was bought on Black Friday, is because I went onto Amazon the day my boss texted me it. I put it in the cart. I forgot to actually check out. <laughs> and I'm just like, you are an idiot. I can't believe you just did this. Uh, don't worry. It'll go on sale again in like a month or so. But then like a few days later, I ended up buying it anyway. So it's coming on Thursday. Well, this could be my Christmas break right there playing it. Well, actually, here's another game that I bought that I never got fully into. Red Dead Redemption 2. You know what's funny? I put a bunch of hours into Red Dead Redemption 1. And it was pretty fun. And then I was doing a story mission. My horse fell off a cliff. I lost all my stuff and I got spawned in this random canyon in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, you know what? I've had enough of this. And then I just never went back. That was the breaking point? Yeah, I have a lot of weird breaking points, but I think that one is justified. Just like, no. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's because I actually I did play the first Red Dead. I played a little bit. of it. I didn't get super into it. It was just a game that it's it's a long game. I think that's maybe that's why I don't have the one, the attention span, but two, the time to really put into it. And I think that's where a lot of games for me nowadays just I don't really go, buy into it just because, again, it it's a huge time commitment. You have to have the time to put into it. And between work, doing this podcast and another podcast that I'm also doing and everything else, it's just like, look, I don't have the time. Like I will go play my N64 because it's fun. You play for maybe 20 minutes or so. You can put it down and walk away. Yeah. Now I do want to recap a few things from this week. And one of the things that before we started this podcast in 2017, Tim, I was a man without a podcast. I think everybody should know this by now. But I was also a fan of many podcasts. And one of them is the Australian Simpsons podcast, Four Finger Discount. Hmm. Now, I was a consistent listener of them from 2015 to about late 2017, early 2018. And they're fantastic because, again, they're going through the golden age of the Simpsons episodes. They're really funny. Like Mitch and Dando. And I know nowadays Mitch isn't with the show anymore. But I went back and I was just listening to some of the old episodes because it's been a while. Two of the episodes I actually picked up on my phone were both episodes I sent emails into. Nice. And I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot I sent that in. Because it was like, it was 2016. So I was probably 23, 24 at the time when I sent that in. I think it was, they were talking about great cinematography. I think the one episode that I was listening to was great cinematography. And I mentioned the black and white Mr. Plow ad, <laughs> which was great great cinematography but the other one was it was the deep space homer episode where kent brotman remember he's talking about the government he goes it may not be perfect but it's still the best government that we have for now <laughs> and i mentioned on the in an email to them that i actually use that in person it's a great line it is a great line it is a great line and of course it was my girlfriend's birthday yesterday so whenever her plays hung out for a bit it was great. We had a fun time. Wait, you didn't take her out? No, no, that was her idea. She wanted to have people come over to her place. Oh, okay. No. Okay, okay. No. no, but I got her baker to make her a really nice carrot cake, though. Mm. So, nice. Yeah. Well, Tim, you know, I could really just sit here for the next half hour and just tell you about my week and everything that's been going on. 
I think the one thing that we need to cover before we segue into top of the hour, we need to talk about next last week's episode because what an episode that was, man. Like the Joseph Santa more third appearance on the podcast. A lot of people wouldn't realize that he's been on twice before, but that was a Not great even episode. me. Right. <laughs> and the funny thing was, is that it was such a great time having him on. And when I was looking at the final episode, like the final Roth episode, I'm like, Oh, good Lord. It's like almost two hours, 15 minutes or so. I was like, this is going to be a long episode to edit out. It took me a couple hours to do. I just had to take breaks, but it's so exhausting. I was like, holy crap. But no, it was a great episode. And obviously we got to talk with Ray about him, with him about Ray Emery. Even though we didn't get any sense game to talk about due to COVID, we got to talk about some talking points. It was fantastic. So it was good. I was, I was happy with it. Yeah, no, I think it came out pretty well. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. One thing we didn't talk about was Pride of Orange. That is true, Tim. We haven't talked about it on this week's ep- last week's episode, but we will talk about it this week's episode. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be going one episode lag. So this week's episode, last week's episode was the beach episode. So the crew gets invited to a friend of their grandmother's in in Okinawa, so beautiful tropical island, okay. to help out at their beach inn. And at the same time, uh, the coach gives them their uh, summer training regimen. So, you know, you're off ice conditioning, that sort of stuff. And um, make sure to, the co- to comment to the goaltender that she's not communicating enough with the rest of the team. So the whole episode is about learning to communicate with the team via beach volleyball. Okay, how does that work out for them? Nothing bad happens in this show, so it worked out pretty good. Well, I guess they haven't won a hockey game yet, but... <laughs> yeah, how many episodes are they in right now, Tim? Uh, we're at episode eight. Okay, how many episodes for the season? Is it... It should be 13. 13, okay. So what, by the end of the year, they should be done, or they just keep going to 2022? It doesn't seem like the show is selling. Okay. We'll have to see how the mobile game does to see if we'll get another season or not. The purpose of the anime is to sell a new mobile phone game. Okay. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, the show itself is being made by the same studios that made uh, Uma Musume Pretty Derby. So it's a show about anthropomorphized racehorses that is exceedingly popular in Japan because they wrote a really good sports show. So people were like, maybe we'll get something really good for this hockey anime. And so far it just hasn't really connected with a lot of the issues I've been talking about on the podcast, especially where they're trying to smash a bit too much together, where you get like a generic idol show mixed in with the sports show. And you see it again, this episode. Okay. Honestly, I still think a guy like Matt bossy would be perfect to do an episode like that. Yeah. You never know, right? Maybe subtle hint for a future episode. He has to actually watch the damn show first. That is true, Tim. That is true. Well, I guess it is time of this episode, isn't it, Tim? The time where we get to segue into our favorite segment, Top of the Hour. Nice. Not my best segue. Not my best segue, but you know what? Damn it, I try my best. 
Now the night now the crazy thing about top of the air for this week, Tim, is that we kind of light on stories this week. But just because we're light on stories doesn't mean we've got some great stories to talk about because we get to start off this episode by talking about Ovi Watch. Washington Capitals captain Alex Ovechkin passed Brendan Shanahan for 26th on the all-time points list during the team's game versus the Florida Panthers with 1,355. Ovechkin had recorded 17 goals, 18 assists for 35 points in 21 games for Washington at the time of the story. Hey, Tay. Yes. If I told you that Alex Ovechkin is off to his best start in goals scored of his entire career at age 36, would you believe me? No. I honestly would have I would have guessed his best start was 07 08 when he had 60 goals. Well, what's incredible is this is his fastest 20 goals in his career. Sorry, fastest 19. Like he's on his fastest pace of goal scoring. It is entirely possible that he scores something crazy close to a goal a game here. And that gets him completely within striking distance of Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, that's funny because like we had TSN on at work and they had the not great escape, but it was like GR8 the great challenge where the hell they called it. Right. But yeah. And they were just like counting down of the goals. Right. Again, and we don't need to talk about this. We've gone through it so many times on top of the hour, but something we have also talked about on top of the hour is Edmonton others. Captain Connor McDavid. Wait, 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 wait. Foreshadowing next week's episode. Yermir Yager has 766 goals. Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid became the fourth fastest player in NHL history to record 400 career assists in 426 games. McDavid had recorded 13 goals, 21 assists for 34 points in 19 games at the time of the story. Not bad. Yeah. It's incredible what him and Dreisaitl are doing in Edmonton right now. It is. But, you know, again, with Connor McDavid, it's more of a what do you really say anymore, right? And we've said this so many times about Alex Ovechkin and Connor McDavid. It's just, you try to find new things to say and you're just almost draw blank. Yeah, because what he's doing on an Edmonton team that is frankly completely depreciated, uh, they're missing, I think their entire left defense is nothing short of incredible. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Now, it's funny, Tim, even though we're drawing a blank of what to say about Connor McDavid, we are not going to draw a blank on talking about his teammate, Chris Russell. Edmonton Oilers defenseman Chris Russell became the NHL's all-time leader in block shots during the team's game versus the Vegas Gold Knights with his 1,999th block shot. Russell drafted 67th overall by Columbus in 2005, recorded one assist in nine games for Edmonton this season. You don't do that being a good defenseman. You do that by getting hemmed in your zone every goddamn night. Well, that's not true. What if, say, Anton Volchenkov had played 20 years in the NHL? I don't think he would have gotten to that number. Because when Anton Volchenkov stopped a shot, it would be out of the defensive zone. And most of the time, Volchenkov was pretty good at lifting a stick and preventing the shot in the first place. If you're constantly getting hit with a puck and hit with a rubber, that's because you're not preventing shots in the first place. 
you know what's crazy with Anton Volchankov is that he was still active in, I believe, the KHL up until maybe a year or two ago. Russian machine don't break. I know. Just look at Alex Ovechkin, right? Yeah. The New Jersey Devils officially unveiled their franchise's new black third jersey. Said jersey includes such details as the third championships in the interior collar and laces that represent a piece of gold netting as a nod to former Devils goaltender and creator of the jersey, Martin Brodeur. Here's the funny thing, Tim. If this was a video podcast, your reaction you just gave me right there, that would sum up that jersey perfectly. I snes vibes and I don't like it. And this is coming from someone who likes the snes Jersey. You know what this honestly looks like? Do you remember? I think it's the baby blue Winnipeg jerseys that say jets on it. Oh baby. That's what this looks like. This looks like a black Jersey with white stripes that says Jersey. How do locals in New Jersey even refer to the state as Jersey? Or is it allegedly Jersey? that is the correct way to say it? Jersey, Jersey. I don't know, man. I really am not a fan of this jersey. Although I love the memes online, people are saying glove, hat. <laughs> Although the Devils did make fun of that, where they had the hat that just says hat, and it says in our team store. Dot dot dot. Maybe. I hope they actually lead into it. I know. Actually, you know what's really great, Tim? Have you ever seen the Twitter account? I think it's the state of New Jersey. Do I so want to see it? So there's a Twitter account on, obviously on Twitter, and it's a representative of the state of New Jersey. And somebody would tweet it and they just tweet back this really super sarcastic comment. And it's actually was kind of funny. I'm not sure if it's still active. I'm sure it probably still is, but I remember seeing it. And I'm just thinking like, that is so oddly very New Jersey. <laughs> if that makes any sense, like New Jersey is very much the armpit of America, but that just seems like such a very New Jersey thing to do. It's like at the same time though, I've never been to New Jersey. So it's like, I imagine just going to Atlantic City or even uh, Jersey, Jersey City or Newark would be interesting as a, like a day excursion from New York. That is true. That is true. When I think of New Jersey, I think of the, there was a movie Pete Davidson did called King of Staten Island. And they're talking about Staten Island. He goes, Staten Island is the only place that even New Jersey looks down on. And I laughed. Good times. Montreal Canadiens assistant GM Scott Mellenby resigned from his position after nine season nine years with the franchise. Mellenby, who was hired by Montreal in 2012 and promoted to assistant GM in 2014, had been informed by the Canadians that he was not in the running for an elevated role with the club, which led to his resignation. Which only makes it weirder after the news I think broke out yesterday or today, Mark Bergevin got fired. Yeah. So basically, all of this unfolded Saturday night, and then Mark Bergevin got fired on Monday, Monday, I think. And what basically happened is, I think Mellon B went to the press is like, yo, I'm fucking gone. And then the Bolsters like, yeah, he's gone. And then they're trying to piece together what happened. So as you're watching the LA game on Hockey Night in Canada, it's basically... 
in the intermissions, you have commensurate insider. And that's not an insult. This is just speaking to the quality of the work that Elliot Friedman does. Trying to piece together what the fuck went on, because even he seemed he had an idea of what was going on, but even he seemed a little blindsided, which is frankly impressive. Because that's a guy who has his finger in almost every NHL pie. It's true. And the guy is such a great reporter. And no, I didn't get a chance to actually see that thing from Hockey Night in Canada. But the one thing is, is maybe people in the Montreal Canadiens organization knew Bergeron was going to get fired. And maybe they were trying to figure out who they're going to hire next. Yeah. And Mellon B wanted to be the guy. Yeah. Or at least the president of hockey ops guy. And then, and then I think on Friday, we find out that the Habs got permission to talk to Gordon. Uh, who was fired from New York. And then Mellon B obviously saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. And then Jeff Gordon got hired anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, man, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about for top of the hour next week that we've already talked about now. So we're going to move on to our next story. Hockey Canada has announced its staff for the 2021 Channel One and Spangler Cup. The staff itself includes Shane Doan as general manager, Claude Julien as head coach, Bruce Boudreau and Scott Walker will also serve as assistant coaches. What's interesting is this very well could be international hockey for Canada this year. If relationships between Canada, the United States and China go further South and the NHL lines up with the side of uh, the local governments instead of the side the side of letting the players go. And the thing is, is I, I actually can't blame the NHL for saying, no, our players aren't going and uh, we will face whatever penalty is in the NHL PA and the NHL collective collective bargaining agreement, because uh, it would be very difficult for me to be like, yeah, let's send our athletes in good conscience, seeing what the Chinese are willing to do to their own athletes. If uh, reports about what happened to the Chinese tennis star are true. Yeah. But wasn't it a few years ago that the NBA had kind of the exact same thing or one of their GMs is like, yeah, we're not going. What are you nuts? Something like that. But the, the NBA was also fa- famous for kowtowing on the Hong Kong, on uh, the Hong Kong riot issue and several other issues and uh, other NBA stars are famously silent about uh, the situation of slave labor in Zhangjiang. So, you know, Tim, for top of that, we would usually close out by talking about Ottawa center story. However, closing on top of the hour is a guy who's actually from Ottawa. Sounds like sounds like sharks GM Doug Wilson took a temporary medical leave from his day-to-day role with the team sharks, assistant GM, Joe will became the interim GM for the time being. Hope he hope uh, Doug Wilson gets better because honestly, he's been doing a pretty good job with the sharks. That is true. That is true. I just look at some of the moves that he's made over the last couple of years, I think has really handcuffed them for the future because they're stuck with Burns. They're stuck with Couture. Some of the bad contracts he's given in San Jose is just like, okay, if you want to rebuild, that's going to be tough. But yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's not on top of the hour, but it's the timing of this story is weird because it started on Saturday. And really it started on Friday, but it did clear out today. Do you want to talk about the elephant in the room before we go on to talk about the games? 
Sure. The Ottawa Senators placed goaltender Matt Murray on waivers to report to Belleville. Matt Murray, Matt Murray cleared this morning, Monday. Okay. I was going to say, do you want to wait until we get to the Sens-Kings game to talk about that? Uh, might as well talk about it now. Okay. Yeah, honestly, I did read a little bit about this. And from what I was reading, apparently Matt Murray was not happy. From what I heard from the agent, unlike Evander Kane, who cleared waivers today as well, Matt Murray's part, Matt Murray's camp did not know about this, did not know this was a thing that was happening at all. They found out when we found out on Friday. Really? Yeah, they were blindsided. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, that's kind of shit. I mean, I would assume being scratched for the Ducks game, that probably would have been the writing on the wall. But honestly, Matt Murray has been a guy who, when we got him, I think there was some general optimism because you saw what he did in Pittsburgh. And yes, he did come with shaky play in this final year or so with the Penguins. He comes in Ottawa, gets the big contract, and I was willing to give him a shot. I said, hey, you know what? Maybe a new situation. The fans aren't going to be so hard on him. And then that first year where everything and anything went right through him, yeah. and we were just sitting here like, oh, shit. Oh, good Lord. This is not good. Yeah. Then he comes into this season, and he looks pretty solid, to be perfectly honest, right up until he got injured. He got cratered. Let's be real here. He got cratered, and then he comes back, and the game versus San Jose, and I'll talk about this when we get there, but he was terrible in that game. Yeah. And you know me, I always like to try to play the devil's advocate with the goalies because you know what? Goalies are often always blamed for the losses for teams, and sometimes they're not even the reason, right? Sometimes their defense lets them down, team can't score, whatever. The Senators have so many things going against them right now, and yet Matt Murray really let them down against the Sharks. Yeah, and the hard thing with Matt Murray is that there's definitely, you could see what Pierre Dorian was gambling on. You buy low, see if it goes up. And here's the thing I'm a little surprised they didn't do with all of the setbacks that Matt Murray's had at the beginning of the year with COVID, with, sorry, with that flu, with the Chris Kreider knee, I'm, I'm really surprised they didn't put him, be like, hey, do you want to get a conditioning stint in? And I feel like that would have been better for everyone involved. The other thing that really doesn't seem, that really doesn't help is that Ottawa seems to play better in front of Gustafson than Murray. They do. They do. And Gustafson looks way better behind those guys too, right? Whereas with Matt Murray, there's always that part of me that watches him and thinks, which Matt Murray are we going to get? And I think there's a lot of guys on the Ottawa Senators that are also worried about that. And I think that's kind of what happened in that San Jose game where you let in... I want to say, was it that there's like that third period where he lets in three goals and that really bad Benino goal. Well, kind of deflated I, know, the third period, I have to say the fourth goal definitely was on him, but the last two were empty netters. Oh yeah. Last two were empty netters, but that really bad, that fourth goal was 
bad. And even the Nieto goal was not great. No. But we'll get that into that in the game. For sure. Now, I think the big thing for me is because they're now going to be looking to possibly trade Matt Murray, I don't know who would take him. I think the centers are going to have to eat salary if they want to take if the team wants to take him. But you know what? Who really is legitimate looking for a goalie right now, right? There's not many people out there. The only ones I can think of are Buffalo and Arizona. Arizona, because uh, they're looking to tank harder, but Ottawa is not a natural draft, sorry, not a natural trade partner for Arizona right now because there's not any competitive spare parts to take off Arizona's hands. And I don't think Ottawa even wants to think about giving up futures here. So Arizona's not going to take it. Buffalo just needs a goalie. So maybe Ottawa can just send them off, get maybe maybe a roster player if they eat some salary. I've been hearing rumors if a deal with Ottawa and Buffalo, Jeff Skinner would be the one coming back. And I don't want that. I do not want Jeff Skinner coming back in a deal just because you think Matt Murray at $6 million is going to be tough? Look at Jeff Skinner at nine. Yeah. How long is that Jeff Skinner contract for? I couldn't even tell you, man. Let's let's go look that up. Actually, it would yeah, Buffalo would be cap compliant. Uh, twenty six, twenty seven. No, no. Unless you, unless you think that uh, Jeff Skinner is going to revive himself in Ottawa somehow. Not great, but. One thing that is good is it looks like Gustafson has won the starter position and Gustafson has been fantastic. He hasn't had in any of his starts this season, he hasn't had a five, five for five save percentage really drop to a place where you'd be like, Oh, that sucks. Like he's usually above 0.92 at five for five. He just gets absolutely fucking shelled at all situations. And I think there, if there's a goalie that's going to steal a game for you, it's going to be Gustafson right now. Well, guys, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which can mean only one thing. So I'm sorry, talking about some games. Now we got four games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Avalanche, Sens versus the Sharks, Sens versus the Ducks, and the Sens versus the Kings. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> hey, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Avalanche. This is a 7-5 Avalanche victory. Sens goals were scored by Zach Sanford with a hat trick, Artem Zub, and Josh Norris. Avalanche goals were scored by Kale McCarr with two, Feller and Nishutskin, Devin Taves, Miko Ratnan, Alex Newhook, and Nazem Kadri. Shots were 39-21 for the Avalanche. Colorado dominated Ottawa throughout the game. Ottawa, Colorado came out of the gate playing great with an absolute lethal offensive attack, which carried them. Ottawa was off, was extremely slow getting going and was never able to get their legs going. However, they were able to find their scoring touch, but was not enough to secure the W. Holy crap, Darcy Kemper sucks as a goalie. Jesus, I was almost running a win there. Good Lord. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a few guys we could talk about here. Definitely the one guy I want to say right out of the gate, I feel so bad for, Lassie Thompson. <laughs> yeah, oh, close. I felt so bad for Lassie. 
the guy thought he had his first NHL goal and Zach Sanford's the one that tipped it in. Yeah. And even though like none of the senders really had a great game, Lassie Thompson was one of the better looking guys out there. What's incredible is that he managed, he played more than Michael Delzato. Uh, this was also a, a tough game on Ottawa's defense because Shabbat was forced to play over 30 minutes as Josh Brown went down in the first. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a ton of notes I have on this game. I mean, we're talking about Zach Sanford, though. Three goals yeah. on three shots. I'm going to say right now, did anybody really have Zach Sanford scoring a hat trick in this game? I know I didn't. Did anyone have a have any Ottawa senders scoring a hat trick in this game? I didn't have any Ottawa senders getting points in this game. That's why I benched Brady Kachuk last week. Yeah. Well, and for me, Zach Sanford, who looked pretty good in this game, I will give him that. The one goal that really surprised me and I didn't even realize it went in was on the third goal when I went off the mask in it. Yeah. And he just like rifles that from below the red line. It's just such a funny goal. It is, man. It is. The now, Sanford, actually, the Sanford tip on the power play was pretty nice. Yeah, that was actually pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's one thing I think we can say is that Ottawa's special teams looked quite good. Yeah. Now, one guy who, despite what his stats may say in this game, I thought he looked pretty decent too. Philip Gustafson, 33 saves, a .846 save percentage. Wow, talk about a defense that left him out to dry. Holy shit, dude. Well, it's like, it's really funny looking that where the Colorado goals came from. And it's all prime fucking real estate. Like, there's very few shots from the, very few shot attempts from the outside. Over, I want to say 65% of Colorado shots came from the dots or closer. And I mean that horizontally and vertically. So they're just shooting in that box from the red line to the dots through the slot. Prime real estate. Yep. The Ottawa Senators defense just left a yard sale for Colorado. This is a game that should not have looked as close as it did. No. Ottawa got blown the fuck out. It could have easily been 10 nothing. Now, the funny thing about this game, Tim, even though we can sit here and complain about the players, the only thing that was worse in this game, the Sportsnet one commentators. That is going to be the – that's hands down the worst commentating I've ever heard in my life. I've never heard somebody more disinterested in my life talking about a hockey game than the guy who did that game. I mean – Parts of that game were kind of boring. I'll give them that, but it's your job to be hype. True. But, and you know, what's funny is since Twitter was so hot on it and I, I said the same thing, I says, wow, like this is, this is terrible. Like was every other commentator busy that day? Cause I understand that we got relegated to Sportsnet one, which is almost as bad as getting relegated to city TV. Have I ever told you that if an Ottawa Senators game is on city TV, I switch to the American broadcasters because it's usually better? Yes, you have. The only exception, and the exception is this game, because the alternative is altitude. 
Okay, can we talk about altitude <laughs> for a second, Tim? Because They're garbage. One comment that I was hearing quite a bit was about the altitude in Colorado. And I was just sitting here watching the game, just thinking to myself, I don't know what these people are talking about. Christ, they're talking like Colorado is like a, a mile over sea level, man. It's just weird. Yeah. It's almost like it's a mile over sea level. Right? Right. And, you know, and I understand that, you know, like maybe, maybe that's the idea. Maybe the people think that mile high stadium, maybe that's where it got to the idea and everything. But yeah, it was just weird, man. They had this whole attitude about, yeah, when we go to Colorado, the air's thinner. And I'm like, okay. Like they wouldn't quit stock talking about it. It's an interesting point. Once you can tell that they just ran out of shit to talk about. Just like I was talking about this game, eh, Tim? Yep. On to San Jose. Sensors and Sharks. This is a 6-3 to three Sharks victory. Sens goals were scored by Josh Norris, Brady DeChuck, and Connor Brown. Sharks goals were scored by Matt Nino, Thomas Hurdle, Nick Benino, Nick Bien- Nick thanks, sorry, Timo Mir, Logan Couture, and Jacob Melton. Shots were 29 even. Matt Nito opens the scoring to make it one nothing Sharks, finishing on a three-on-two. Josh Norris gets Otto on the board to make it 1-1, finishing in the slot. Thomas Hurdle scores to make it 2-1 Sharks, going top shelf. Brady ties the game at two, deflecting it home. Connor Brown scores to give Ottawa a 3-2 lead after throwing the puck around. Nick Benino scores to tie the game at three on Matt Murray's doorstep. Timo Meyer scores to make it 4-3 San Jose. Logan Couture scores on the empty net, but 5-3. And Jacob Milton scores on the empty net as well to make it 6-3 San Jose, which would be the final. Jesus, what was – God, I had a hard time reading those guys' names, not going to lie. It happens every so often. Uh, Wild Wild Weiss the other day, I fucked up my prepared opening three times. It's brutal, man. It's yeah. like me with the Great White Experience. Like that first episode, I can't tell you the amount of times I screwed up just trying to do the opening of that. There was my alarm. <laughs> All right. So, you know, this is a game where I think Ottawa deserved a better fate. However, the goaltending let them down. Yes. yes. San Jose probably should have only had two goals there. Yep. Let's talk about Matt Murray's final start as an Ottawa Senator. 23 saves, 0.852 save percentage. Going to say it right here. He's the reason we lost this game. Those DJ Smith should not have been counted. Yeah. Should not have scored. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, like the Nieto goal is a routine stop that just goes through him. Mayor Murray gets caught cheating on the AHL side in the NHL. You have to hug at the post. You have to be able to get to that post. That's a, that's a basic save for an NHL goalie. It's, it's very hard to do. And that's why you're paid the book big bucks. And maybe sent hopefully sending Murray back down to the AHL uh, for his next team. He figures that out or he gets back into that habit. Uh, Cause this is a game where the teams look pretty even and Ottawa was actually Ottawa's top line did quite well and was actually able to cycle the puck pretty well. Now this is something I would have talked about too, but the thing is like, I didn't get a chance to watch this game. I condensed watched it. I 
can't recall why. I think what was I doing on Wednesday night? I can't remember. Anyway, but no, there are some good players that we need to talk about now. Before we get there, can we talk about Austin Watson for a second? Because that fight in the first period was honestly kind of pointless. But here's a question somebody brought up on Twitter. Has Austin Watson ever won a fight he's been in during his tenure in Ottawa? I don't think he has. I think he's lost every single one. I think he might have. No, he wasn't in the Bruins game. Who won the fight in the Bruins game? Foreman. Foreman. Yeah, Foreman kicked a dude's ass. I remember that. I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, absolutely murdered a dude. But, uh, yeah, no. I'm just trying to... I don't think Austin Watson's ever won a fight in Ottawa, now that I think about it. Yeah, I can't think of it, man. Yeah. And it's just... Just a really weird... Really weird thing to happen, and it just kind of sums up Austin Watson's career in Ottawa. It's been a little underwhelming. Yeah. Now, what wasn't underwhelming in this game, Tim, was some of the goals scored by the Ottawa Senators. And I'll start off with Josh Norris. One goal on four shots. You know, and we talk about Chris Tierney and all the goals that bounced off whatever body part on him. Did the puck hit Josh Norris in the junk before he scored? It might have. It looked have. like he did. It looked like he kind of crouched over and then he put it in. Well, it's like going back to saying that Ottawa was actually able to cycle the puck pretty well. The puck work by Kachuk to Thompson to set up the shot that goes off Norris is really, really good because like Brady is so hard on that puck retrieval, gets it back out. And Lassie Thompson identifies where that puck needs to go. I would agree. I mean, another defenseman we got to talk about, Thomas Shabbat. Two assists and two shots. Even though I watched the condensed version, when I watched Thomas Shabbat in this one, the one thing I can say, how calm, cool, and collected he looked on those assists. 100%. Uh, this is why Thomas Shabbat is considered a guy who's going to be on Team Canada. Because he's on this dumpster fire, and he's able to be cool, collected, move the puck, get his points, get his shots. Thomas Shabbat has been great this season. And this is this game is... Another example of that. Uh, I really like Tim Stutzler this game. He didn't score, but he was all over the ice. And honestly, I think he probably should have scored on a few of those shots. It's just uh, James Reimer had answers. Which is funny that you say that, Tim. And I want to talk about Connor Brown's goal because you want to talk about a goal that James Reimer just flat out gave him. When you have that wide open a net, and it even didn't even look like Josh Norris, or not Josh Norris, sorry, Connor Brown fully got control of the puck when he got the shot off. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was a pretty bad goal, but luckily for Reimer, Matt Murray was worse. Now, the final player I want to talk about, Tim, Brady to Chuck. One goal, <laughs> one assist on two shots. Classic Brady goal it's cleaning up garbage and that's why we love him you know who actually had a pretty darn decent game for san jose who's that eric carlson he did he did actually have a pretty decent game now i gotta ask though tim did you happen to see the meme that i threw up on our twitter account before this game happened no 
it was the meme of you know the two buttons and the next panel is the guy wiping sweat away he doesn't know which one to choose <laughs> one of our bods on twitter i'm trying to think i think it's at bears bear sharks mariners sends or whatever it's called yep and he's a big sense fan he lives in vancouver but he's also a huge eric carlson fan and so i put it up on twitter of his choices for this game yep and he had a good comment oh sorry it's at milnick muskill that's that's the guy I was just thinking of his actual name. It's Bears, Mariners, Shocks, and Ottawa fan with the two dots over the O's. Nice. We like that. We like that. But yeah, Eric Carlson was buzzing. Two shots and an assist. Sorry, two shots, two assists. Great game. And like he was noticeable in the, holy crap, that's the Eric Carlson I remember sort of way. So Tim, you want to head off and talk about the Sens versus Ducks game, unfortunately? Yeah. Yeah. Sens versus Ducks. This is a 4 to nothing Ducks victory. Ducks scores was scored by Isaac Lundstrom, Derek Grant, Troy Terry, and Ricard Raquel. Shot for 34-33 for the Senators. Isaac Lundstrom opens the score to make it one nothing Ducks after he breaks away from Shabbat and buries it. Derek Grant scores to make it 2 nothing after Ennis blows a tire, resulting in the Ducks coming down the ice until Mete hits the puck out of the air and banks it off the player. Troy Terry scores to make it 3 Yeah, you really should put that Derek Grant goal in quotation marks. True. I know, I know I saw your tweet about that. Troy Terry scores to make it 3 nothing, and Ricard Raquel scores to make it 4 nothing Ducks, which would be the final. So again, I had to condense watch this game because... And I'm proud I can talk a little, I can announce this right now. I'm working on a brand new Great White Experience episode for the end of this year. It's going to be a good one, man. Sick, sick. So let's talk about some players. Anton Forsberg, 29 saves, a .879 save percentage. I got to say, and I feel for him on this one because it's tough to come in after not playing for over a month. And he had a tough game in this one. It well, here's, I'm not going to hold the second goal against him. No. That's a weird goal. And then if you knock that out, You've got a you got a point nine oh. Sorry, yeah, I think a point nine one, which is pretty good for this team. Like that's all. Like he's not he didn't steal the game, but you're not asking that out of your backup. Like I think, yeah, Anton Forsberg had a good enough backup game. I think he still has one. I think he has a goal that he wants back. But all three, all of the goals came from like really in tight. And this is a game that I actually think Ottawa deserved better again, because this is a game where I felt Ottawa's volume and select chances were very good. Like the puck was, they weren't cycling it as well as they were in San Jose, but they generated a good amount on even strength and they got absolutely stoned by style laws on the power play multiple times. No, this one is, day. Go ahead. This is a game where Ottawa got a backup goalie just stand, playing out of their mind. Yeah, and the one guy who I feel so bad for, Tim Stutzla with five shots in the game, looked pretty decent. I often wonder how much of a different game this would be if Tim Stutzla had not hit the post in the third period. I think that was a big moment that really turned the tide in Anaheim's favor of them leading to the victory. Yeah, because it feels like Ottawa just kind of disappeared after that. And then uh, the Raquel goal just really kind of put the fork in it. Yeah. Now, Connor Brown, 
also had five shots in this. And the one thing I noticed, especially watching in the condensed version, his finishing ability looked so wonky in this game. And it's so weird to see that, right? Well, it's like, remember before he kind of went on his goal streak and you would notice that Connor Brown, just his shots weird. Mm-hmm. It looks like that's kind of rearing its head again. And that's one thing where I'm excited for Drake Batherson to be coming back at the beginning of this, the games we'll be talking about next week, because with Stutzla being moved to center this game, man, does he look so much better in center ice than on a wing. It's true because Stutzla not being a big guy can get pushed over on the wings. Whereas on center, he has a lot of room to work with and he looked really good from what I was seeing at him in center. The only downside I can see in this game, those Anaheim jerseys. What the hell is they doing, man? Well, you see, who, the, who the fuck thought orange was a good color? Have you ever? Do you remember pineapple pen pen pineapple? Mm-hmm. I've got I've got old jersey. I've got new jersey. <laughs> old jersey. Yeah, that's what they did. They took the old logo. They took the colors from that uh, god awful two thousand seven jersey. The only thing. The only thing with those jerseys to me is that I really am of the minority. I like the Anaheim jerseys with the wing to D. I'm the minority. I really like those jerseys. But the thing is, even when they brought back the original purple and teal ones in the Adidas, not the reverse retro, but, you know, the new ones to do now, they don't look good. Like, they really don't. And they're fitted for those jerseys. They just... Maybe that's one of the things. Maybe that's just a design that was better in the 90s. And I say that because you look at San Jose when they brought back their original jerseys and they look amazing. That teal, silver, and black. Oh, chef's kiss, man. looks so good. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is maybe we try out a Golden Seals uh, retro reverse jersey and see how that goes. Yeah, that's more of a Sharks, though, because that was yeah. the... What would be the Ducks one? The Ducks one? No. UCLA Bruins? Mm, no. No, stick with the Web D. Stick with the Web D. Yeah. Just put Mickey Mouse on the jersey. Yes. Yes, that would be hilarious. Okay, Tim, it's time to talk about the fourth and final game of the evening. Since, excuse me, Sens versus Kings this is a 4-2 Kings victory. Sens goes scored by Malco Delzato and Connor Brown. Kings goals scored by Carl Grundstrom with two, Victor Arvidsson and Arthur Kellyev. Shots for 36-32 for the Kings. A somewhat even game overall. LA completely dominated Ottawa throughout the first period, out shooting them 11-4. As the game went on, Ottawa's game did improve and were able to get on the board, but was not enough as LA would secure the W. Okay. The first five minutes of this game, would you yep. like to guess what I have in my notes in this? Uh, is it about Robbie Krieger's? Oh, my God. I, I sat here watching that first five minutes of the game. I'm just like, what the, what, the, what am I watching? This is not real. Like that was a demoralized team in that game. This game could have been over in the first 10 minutes had Gustafson not stood on his goddamn head. Like this is a game where he lets in three goals and still has a nine, a point nine three, sorry, nine two three save percentage. Mm-hmm. Like that 
that just goes to show how absurd of a game that uh, the send the senders play in front of them, like absurdly bad. Which is even watching this, that you can tell LA was completely outplaying us. Yeah. No, no ifs or buts. And I mean, there's so many things we can talk about this game. Now, of course, you already mentioned it was Philip Gustafson, 33 saves at 0.917 save percentage. He was the only thing consistent about this game. I can't exactly blame him on the goals myself. But speaking about goals, the second one no should fucking count. That, that Gunstrom goal should have counted. There's no way. No, that's bullshit. Like, that's bullshit of the highest fucking degree. Yeah. Like, there's so many old rules that were thrown, like, rules that I thought, I wasn't sure if they're still a thing or not, that obviously aren't. Kicking motion, fucking gone. Incidental contact, oh, what the hell is that? And it's, he wasn't even pushing, like, Paul didn't push the guy. And Gunderson had ample time to jump out of the way. He elected not to. You, this is not the sort of play you should be incentivizing of guys just kind of gliding into the goalie. They should have a responsibility not to run the fucking goalie. Even if they might have been pushed like 10 strides ago. Fuck that. Why DJ Smith did not challenge that? I, I will never understand that because he has a look on his face of, do I challenge? Do I not challenge? Was it a goal? Was it not a goal? He should have challenged. Even the fans on Twitter were saying this. He should have challenged. Yeah. The big problem I can see is in his head is like, if they're going to fuck me like this on the ice, I'm going to get fucked by Toronto and take a penalty at the absolute worst time. So like if he gets fucked in that situation, which remember the refs changed the call on the ice. If that happens, I think I'd be with DJ. It's like, I'm going to get fucked here if I challenge. Mm-hmm. That's why he didn't. That, that goal was sucks. So deflating, right there. Like that goal was just like you've got to be kidding me. And yeah, and like here's the thing: is Ottawa was definitely playing better throughout mm-hmm. the game, and like I, I thought a goal was coming in the third as well. Do you want to talk about the Uncle Deli goal? Yes, let's talk about MDZ. One goal and three shots. Now. Of course, for the last couple of games here, Tim, you were on the tweets at the yep. on Twitter. And you're doing a great job, by the way. I must thank you, thank that. I do agree with you on this one. That was such a fluke goal. Josh Norris <laughs> won the faceoff clean. MDZ just threw it on the net. Hey, we take it. Yep. And I'm not going to lie. This is probably one of MDZ's better games as well as Senator. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have made a comment there about how the last time he shot his shot, Lisa Ann called him thirsty, but not as <laughs> But no, good, good on him though, right? He good got, on him. Yeah, he got a shot in the net. He scores. Is Thomas Shabbat the only center who hasn't scored yet on defense? I think he might be. Else has. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's the hard thing with this game, though, is like. I can't in my conscience say Ottawa deserved better because of that first period. Yes. You cannot give up 20 shots in a period. You can also tell that this was a team that was just out of gas. Yeah. You could definitely tell COVID took a bit of a kick in to them, right? Just from how they're playing. Now, of course the Saturday was, it was huge because again, Matt Murray was put on waivers, but we also picked up Adam Gaudet 
from where did we, Chicago. Yep. So that was pretty good. We'll see if he's an improvement over Dylan Gambrell. Who I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I have no um, expectations on him, right? So for me, it wasn't a big thing. But let's talk about the one moment everybody on Twitter's been talking about. Brady DeChuck getting bit by Brendan Lemieux. Come on, dude. Right? Although I got to say, I love, oh, I love Brady DeChuck's comment after the game. Because you know what's funny? One thing I can say about Brady, as a fiery guy as he is, I would say he's pretty professional with the press and the media when talking post-game. Yes. He just let Brendan Lemieux have it in this one. He did not hold back. Oh, yeah. And I love him for it. And people were popping off about not only the t- his comments in English, but we got same, like, pretty quick translations from the French press. And these are great. Brady Kachuk évidemment furieux contre Brandon Lemieux. C'est scandaleux. Les enfants ne font même plus ça de nos jours. De bébé font ça. Je ne sais pas ce qu'il pensait. Il y a une tête de brick. Il n'y a rien là-dedans. That's amazing. Like, I don't even know what you're saying, but that sounds amazing. Like, il y a, il a une tête de brick. That's fantastic. Are you saying what we when we see the Sens play in Calgary, Vancouver, that we need to get one of those foam bricks and put it on our heads? Perhaps. For brick heads, yes. Tête de brick. Also, I like de bébé font ça. Like, babies do that. Oh, I know. But even breeding the penalty box when he goes, just does that thing where he lays up against the glass. Oh, that was funny. I, I laughed so hard. Oh, God, that made me laugh. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, this game sucked. Yeah. It got a bit better in the the later two periods, but Ottawa just wasn't good. Here's hoping getting Drake Batherson, who has been one of their best players back, really helps. Unfortunately, and I have a feeling that Michael Delzato or Mete is probably going to sit again so Lassie Thompson gets in. I'm really surprised he wasn't playing this game because Lassie Thompson was one of the best players for odd defenseman for Ottawa this week. Yeah. Now, sorry, just going back to what I was saying about Thomas Shabbat being the only sense defenseman who hasn't scored yet. Now I'm just looking at hockey DB right now, Tim. Now I'm going to disclude branch from Hetherington guys who have only played like a handful of games. Okay. Yeah. So player defensemen have only pl- played 10 to plus games. Yeah. Okay. Here's the defenseman. Who played more than 10 games you have yet to score? Josh Brown, Nick Holden. Yep. And who else we got here? And Thomas Shabbat. Oh, Josh Brown. Victor Mette. Okay. So it really, so it's just Zub, Sites, of Delhi that have scored? Yep. Huh. Delzato has two. In Del Zotto. Yeah. It's just like, I really wonder what Ottawa does from here. Like, if Brandt, like, my worry is that 
Connor, sorry, uh, Josh Brown gets healthy. DJ Smith puts in his boy over Lassa Thompson, and we just roll quite possibly the shittiest defense we've assembled in quite some time. What I hope actually happens is that Josh Brown ends up on waivers. I hope so. And Lassie Thompson stays, Eric Brandstrom gets some reps, and they find a home for one one of Mete Zaitsev or Uncle Deli. And funnily enough, as much as I was complaining about the Michael Delzato signing at the beginning of the season, if one of the play one of those three, the one I would want to keep most is Michael Delzato. Because he is an improvement over what Mete has done this season. Although Mete has looked better the last few games. Right, yeah. Out of the three of them, I think Michael Delzato is probably the one I'd want to keep. Although Victor Mete's looked better lately. Like we're starting to see that explosive skating that was exciting about bringing Victor, Victor Mete in in the first place. Like if he can consistently do that more and just not constantly be on the wrong side of weird defensive plays or questionable choices, then I'd be happy with Victor Mete. Me but uh, yeah, if Brandstrom gets healthy, I'd probably just wave Mete. That's true. So I don't have any more comments about the guys on the ice, but I do have a couple comments I want to make here. Now, of course, anytime I see anything weird or kind of funny during the games, I like to bring it up in the comments. So a few things I noticed. Now, in the first period, the one thing I noticed in the crowd, there was somebody wearing a tragically hip jersey. Huh. That's kind of cool because I noticed it because it said the hip on the back. I was like, all right, right on. That's kind of cool. But not only that, there a lot of love for rock music here now in down in LA for this game. Of course, I know you mentioned the comment about the organ player playing the doors light my fire. Great. It was great, by the way. Loved it. Yeah. Also in the crowd. Now I know you might not know who these guys are, but there's a band called Dirty Honey. They're kind of a hard rock band in the last couple of years, anyway. They were seen at the game. The only other comment I want to make here, Tim. Is it about the anthem? No, that was good too. Those LA jerseys. Oh my God. That's the first time I've seen them in person. I gotta say, I really like the jerseys. I hate I the chrome domes. The, the chrome dome is terrible. Like, like that jersey, so good. I think the chrome dome is taking 10 points off of LA's standing position. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. Uh, what else do we got? A lot of people were popping off about Robbie Krieger's opening to, sorry, his uh, rendition of Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, I, too. I like Robbie Krieger as a guitarist. It doesn't help that there was technical issues out the wazoo to the point where Robbie Krieger, I wasn't sure if he could even plug in his own patch cord. Yeah, which is funny because nowadays a lot of rock musicians don't even use cables anymore. They use a wireless plug-in for the guitars that would plug into... I think it's like a software program. Oh, man, I can't think of it right now, but no, I did happen to see that. And for the longest time, I didn't even think the doors had a guitar player, but, but I know that they did. It was a bass player. They never had one. Yeah. Well, they had a bass player, but Jim Morrison like had a falling out with the guy. So yeah. they would record with the guy and then they would not travel with him. By the way, my dog is totally making noise right now. And Aww. I know she's looking at her. 
art. But yeah, a lot of people just weren't impressed with uh, his rendition of the anthem either. Uh, I thought it was cool, but maybe you could definitely tell, you could hear the door style to it. Yeah. Like that heavy blues twang to it. Mm-hmm. Might have had a bit too much Wawa. Very much so. Okay, I'm just going to take her out real quick. Just give me one sec. Once I get back, we'll go into this. Cool. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make if you just want to have to close for another evening. Uh, yeah, let's close her out. I've got free Flames tickets to enjoy tonight. I know. I know. And this is why it's weird that we're recording so early in the evening. But you know what? I'm happy we can do it. I hope you have a good time of the game tonight, man, because it's going to be a good one. They're playing the Penguins tonight? Yep. I don't actually know what I should wear. Because, like, I don't have any Flame stuff. I have no Penguin stuff. And it would be weird oh, to just wear send stuff to a not Ottawa game. What if it's a Brady jersey and you just piss off Matthew? I only have Batherson and Alfredson. Mm. If yeah, I had that... a Kachuk, I would have worn a Kachuk. Yep. Oh, I know. Me too. So would I. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you we're on the national podcast network you can find our page on nationalpodcast.network so you can find our page on national podcast network find your links to itunes soundcloud and google play jesus i can't god i'm just stumbling over the place today you can find us on twitter up there like plugs our twitter handle tim is at m901 honey badger i'm at great right gipster gr8 w-a-t-e gipster if you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games top of the hour or you just want to throw some shade at me for tripping over myself during this episode of the Third Eye Plug Sensecast, shoot us an email at thirdeyeplugsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, thankfully, we don't have four games to talk about this week, but we got three games to talk about this week. So, Wednesday night, we are at home to play the Vancouver Canucks. Thursday, we head down to Carolina to play the Carolina Hurricanes. And then Saturday, we return home to play the Colorado Avalanche. Oh my god. All of the NHL's dysfunction is going to be localized in that arena. Actually, no, that's a lie. Chicago and Montreal aren't there. Can we just get one win, please? Uh, I'm sorry. Have you not enjoyed one win November? The close cousin to no nut November? That's what they're doing, Tay. They're just saving it up. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensey. Go Sands, guys. Woo! What are you holding on to? Yelling out for the stars above you. What are you holding on to? Saying.